Thanks for deciding to join in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, coming to you from our outstanding studios. And we have a great guest for you, Lewis Breeden, played for the Cincinnati Bengals for a long time on the back end. Unbelievable athlete. We talk about his 102-yard interception return touchdown against Dan Fouts and the San Diego Chargers. His interception in the freezer bowl, he made big plays for the Bengals defense. Talking, talking about the Bengals defense, he's got some great opinions on that. Great opinions on this football team overall and what the future holds for this football team. Lewis Breeden knows of what he speaks when it comes to football and a bunch of other things as well. You're going to like it. Welcome once again to In the Trenches with Dave Lapman, brought to you by First Star Logistics. As always, we're coming to you from our outstanding studios, and we greatly appreciate the opportunity to do so. And joining us today is one of the greatest cornerbacks in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals, the great Lewis Breeden. And when I think about Lewis Breeden, I think about 1981, the best team that I was ever privileged to be a part of. It was uh, the Super Bowl 16 team. And we're playing the Chargers out there in San Diego at the time. Dan Fouts is quarterbacking. Lewis Breeden <laughs> picks off Dan Fouts and takes the ball back 102 yards for a touchdown. Unbelievable. One of the greatest defensive plays in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. Lewis Breeden performed that. And then, fast forward, we're in the freezer bowl, and it's 59 below. So, I mean, he did it in – you know, ideal weather out there in San Diego. And then Fouts comes to Cincinnati and our weather in Cincinnati here, 59 below, coldest game in NFL history. And Lewis Breeden picks him off again. So you got him in the nice weather. You got him in the cold weather. You own Dan Fouts, my man. You owned him. <laughs> I love Dan Fouts, man. Dan Fouts, great Hall of Famer. But for some reason, uh, he threw it my way and I was able to get it a few times. But that was the Chargers, man, because, you know, the Chargers threw it all over the place. They were so – it was much more prolific than anyone else in the league at that time, and everyone else is kind of caught up later on. But, um, you know, you don't mind a quarterback throwing an errant pass every now and then. The great Ken Riley would always say in the fourth quarter when we're leading, hey, Lewis, time to get some peewees, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Lewis, let me ask you, just right out of the gate here, this football team that uh, – performed for the Cincinnati Bengals this season with Joe Burrow at the helm, uh, performed at a very high level, set a lot of records. And in a two-year span, first team to to win uh, the AFC North two years in a row, to go play in a in a conference championship two years in a row. I mean, a lot of, a lot of great things occurred. What did you like most about observing uh, this, this football team and what they did this year? To be a good football team, you have to play well as a team. You know, Dave. I mean, you, that offensive line we had in 81, with you guys playing together, it was a great, solid unit. It, it allowed – that is the biggest reason, as far as I'm concerned, for Kenny Anderson winning the play of the year, the way that you guys play is up front. I think it starts in the trenches. And um, it, this is what's so amazing about this ball club, because I want to go back to the previous year. They won this – they went to the Super Bowl. With an offensive line, had a couple of guys, uh, Prince and Adenogy on the, on the right side, hadn't played a lot of football. They didn't play very well. They didn't yeah. protect very well. They gave up more sacks 
Uh, they didn't win the league, but they made it to the Super Bowl and were, what do you want to count it? One, two, three plays away from winning. Could have easily won that ball game. I went to that ball game. Yeah. And after that, uh, that loss, they replaced four of the offensive linemen. Is that an incredible feat? I don't think that, I don't think you're going to see that again, that a team can get like that with an offensive line that really didn't play very well. But they did play. They did play well together. They just hung in and they just made plays when they have to make a plays. Uh, this year, they were better. Offensive line brought people in defensively. They play a lot of zone, but I tell you what, man, they play well together as a team. Uh, they rush four people most of the time. Um, and basically, one guy who was a dominant pass rusher, that's Hendrickson. But they play solid. They just play solid, man. They didn't give up a lot for quarter. They didn't give a lot, a lot of points in, in, in a football game. It's, it's all about giving up points, man. You can give up some yards, but if you don't give up a lot of points, man, you have a chance to win the football game. So they're just a solid unit. And I've been trying to figure this team out and, try, you know, you come up with a thousand words, write an essay of, of, <laughs> of what really defines this football team. And I've kind of narrowed it down to two words, Dave, but you can do that all. Two simple words that I think really is the biggest difference it's still a team game. It's still about everyone. But those two words are Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow makes it work. And I, I can't see a very many quarterbacks. And I say all the time, um, that 19, that uh, not this year, but last year, Tom Brady could not have taken that team to a Super Bowl. He couldn't have won that many games behind the offensive line that was basically a sieve most of the time. Yeah. This guy just keeps getting, he gets knocked up, he gets knocked down, he gets up, he gets beat, he gets up. He brushes himself off. He's not yelling at anybody. He's going to the next play, and the team responds. It is, um, it's amazing, and you know this as well as I want, as as anyone, what one player can do, especially in the position of quarterback, who is a key player on the team, how he can elevate everyone else, and how he can go out and win ball games just by one or two plays during the course of the ball game. Dick LeBeau used to always tell us, "Hey guys, it is about one or two plays." Every game is going to win you the ball game. You know, you're going to make plays. But just one or two of them is going to make the difference. And Joe Burrows, is, he's just a big difference maker for him. But overall, though, they just have, an out, they have some good talent, great talent, rather, uh, and they play well together as a unit. You know, you make a great point. I mean, the Super Bowl 16 team had Kenny Anderson, who won MVP. The Super Bowl 23 had Boomer Sison, who won MVP. And Joe Burrow is a solid, legit MVP candidate. He should be. He's going, he's going to win an MVP. They're going to win a Super Bowl, and he's going to win an MVP or two. There's no doubt in my mind. I think you're right on the money there, my man. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I know I was having a conversation online with someone, and they were talking about, you know, the marvelous era. Yep. And there are some comparisons, um, uh, differences comparing it that way. And those teams that Marvin Lewis had, Marvin Lewis had teams that were, I think, offensively, uh, it's as good as anyone. Uh, but he didn't, I think if he had Joe Burrow, he would have won playoff games. And I think if he had Joe Burrow, he could have won Super Bowls because that's the difference. It's like, that's the difference in a quarterback, what a quarterback can make. What a, look what Tom Brady did for, uh, uh, for New England. Look what he did. He came in and uh, a team the previous year under Jameis Winston, a lot of interceptions. He came in with that same team, basically, and they won the Super Bowl just because they weren't giving the ball up. They weren't giving the ball away constantly. So uh, quarterback can make a big difference, but you have to uh, put good people around the quarterback. Offensive line, I think, is the key. Uh, all the weapons, that uh, as many as you can get. Just think about this. Um, uh, Jamar Chase was out. What, four games? 
Yeah. I'm not. Did they lose any of those games? They did. They lost to Cleveland. The, the they first lost game to Cleveland? Was out. That, that was their worst loss of the year. The first loss, the first game that yeah. he was out, they just, they did not play well in Cleveland. And, and they don't ever play against, they don't play well against Cleveland, whatever the reasons are. But um, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's, uh, it's amazing uh, how well they've done. And hey, look, I'm wearing this hat now for all the people who are a little uh, moping and, you know, uh, still crying about the officials. Um, uh, hey, look, this team is going to be around for a while. They have a quarterback who's in place. He's going to make a heck of a lot of money. They may lose a weapon, but they'll bring other people in. And if they can keep that core together, they're going to be very good for a long time because, as I said before, the quarterback on most teams, he's always going to be the most important guy in the locker room because he can really elevate that offense. And even uh, you may have a, a defense that doesn't really play that well, but if you can score a lot of points like Kansas City can, teams like that, you're always going to be in the ball game. Always. Yeah. Sometimes, no matter how badly the defense plays because – they're able to score points. San Diego Chargers did that way. They didn't play well that defensively, but they won ball games. The problem was when they played good teams in the playoffs, uh, defensively, they struggled and they they yeah. just didn't get to the Super Bowl. Right. Absolutely. No question about it. You know, you look at it. Um, Zach Taylor has been very fortunate as a head coach to have his coordinators intact, offense, defense, special teams, for the first four years of his, his professional coaching career. But these last two years, you know, you go to the AFC uh, championship game two years in a row and you go to the Super Bowl one of those years, teams are going to say, hey, I I want a little piece of that success. So now his coordinators are being interviewed for head coaching jobs. Looks like Lou Anarumo is a finalist for the Arizona Cardinals uh, head coaching job. Dan Pitcher is uh, going for his second interview to be the uh, offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bengals quarterback coach, Brian Callahan. Is looks like he's a finalist uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, Colts head coaching position. So now, you know, boy, that that coaching staff that has been rock solid, intact, and and together as a unit uh, might uh, might see some changes. But that's the price of success, right? Everybody wants a piece. Uh, yeah, it is, and it's it's great for those guys who are having those opportunities because I have read and I've I've seen some of those things. But they've, they've been talking about, especially a guy like Arulo, the. Uh, uh, defense coordinator, what they did defensively, um, it's it's just it's amazing. Um, not a lot of a lot of the guys are not, you know, well known nationally, but as a unit, thanks to the coordinator, they played extremely well, uh, exceptionally well. Uh, teams didn't run up and down the field on them. They didn't give up a lot of plays. The defensive backfield, and I know the defensive backfield, some of the corners have been uh, maligned somewhat, but they played well as a unit. And that's what you have to do. Uh, it's not about uh, um, uh, name recognition nationally. It's about what you do on the football field. You keep those stats down. You you keep yourself in ball games. You're going to win it, especially what they can do offensively. So I'm I'm happy for those guys. I mean, everybody wants. Maybe not everyone, but um, guys dream to be a head coach, man. And sure. if you get in that situation where you get with a good team, good organization, you win ball games. The opportunity comes, but. Uh, uh, but when with uh, coming coming with that success though is that uh, you know you're gonna have to perform. It's, it's not easy coaching the National Football League, man. You're right about that. You're right about that. There's no two ways about it. You talk about Lou Anarumo's defense, though. I, I I like to watch defenses that look like they're attached by a string. You know, I mean, it's like everybody 
is in total unison. There's nobody that's not where he's supposed to be. You know, I mean, everybody's where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And it's just like it's choreographed. It's a thing of beauty to watch his his defensive football team, uh, you know, go out and perform. They're all so smart. You know, he 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 doesn't overload them, but he gives them quite a bit, you know, but they can handle it. And, and man, they just they play so together. They play so well for him. Yeah, and um, I, I, I remember, you know, it reminds me a lot of Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay played a lot of cover two. Um, they just played it so well. Um, and they had a Tampa had a front four with Warren Sapp and those guys who just rushed a passer. So they, they didn't need to blitz a lot. So you could right. just dump a bunch of guys in coverage and they played it well. And you talk about as a unit, as the way they move together up and down the football field. Teams offensively, you know, they run they run motion and they run guys across in front of them trying to get guys to go up to, to open up the zone. Tampa didn't do that, man. And they won Super Bowl, a Super Bowl doing that. And it's the same way with uh, with Cincinnati. That defense, um, he just got, got, got those guys to play well together. They know what their responsibilities are. People don't realize. Maybe they do realize. All, 11 guys on defense. All you need is one guy to not do what he's supposed to do messes up a perfect defense only one guy only one but he had all the 11 of those guys most of the time playing well together and they went back to another afc championship game and i don't see why they can't go back next year and the year after that and then again the year after that they're always going to be in it because like i said before the key is the quarterback uh he's going to be bad he's going to be paid a lot of money and you know cool joe i don't think the money's going to affect him he's going to be uh um, he's going to pay attention to de detail. He's going to know what they're doing offensively. He's going to be able to read it. He's going to be able to make plays with his arm. He's going to occasionally make plays with his feet. He's going to make plays with his intelligence. So they're going to win ball games, um, and that's good for Cincinnati. So this is where I'm wearing the hat, like I said before. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the beginning of the race, guys. It's not the end. They're going to be around for a while. Here, here. I love that. I hear that. So the thing I love about this defense too is is they're so good in the red zone. You know, red zone takeaways. You know, New England's threatening to score to win the football game, force a fumble, take it away. Kelsey makes a big play. Pratt rips it out of there and recovers a fumble. You know, it, it's like when they have to step up and make plays, be it in uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, be it in the red zone, what, whatever the situation, they seem to deliver when it's needed most. I mean. That's that's a heck of a trait to have as a defense, isn't it? Yeah, I think it really is because you keep them out of the end zone. They're not giving up a lot of points, and the uh, the beating the other team is about who can score, who can score. You got to score more points than the opposition. Um, it's a defensive backfield, and I think what he's done a great job making, especially in the backfield. This is the best situations for you because a guy can't run, but so far, he's not going to run a, a a thirty yard goal when you have to worry about all that stuff. And if you can have the patience, just the patience, just to sit in the area that you're supposed to be in, you can make a lot of good plays. And you see so so many times you see a defensive backfield, the guy's playing too far back. It's almost like instinctively at times they forget they don't have to cover the whole field anymore. So you can play it a little bit closer. I made that mistake in, uh, in the Super Bowl against, I think Ken Riley and I both made that the same mistake. Um, uh, it, I guess Joe Montana just hit the guy in a little flare pattern. He scored a touchdown because we got too far back in the backfield. And you see it all the time. But 
that defense and the way they play it and the way they play zone, um, it's really amazing. Uh, because I didn't like playing as much zone as some as some people did because I just didn't I it just feel like you're more involved. It's a challenge for you. You go out there, you just want to, you know, find someone to challenge. But if you can play a good zone, man, it it will, it does wonders for a defense. Uh, it will cover up some holes in the defense. Um, teams can only do so much against you. Uh, and as a defensive back, it'll it'll lengthen your career too, man, because uh, you're not running around as much as, as across the field with people. So. Um, in the red zone, they were they were phenomenal in the red zone. They really were. They did an unbelievable job in the red zone. I so you you're an unbelievable athlete. I mean, you did you got drafted in Major League Baseball. I know you played center field. I know you played college yeah, I, baseball. I didn't get drafted. I, I played in high school. I went to college to play baseball. I was walking right. in football. Yeah. Okay. So great baseball player. I've seen you hoop. I know you can jump out of the gym and I know you can hoop. I mean, you're just an incredible athlete. All, playing all those sports, how did that help you become a better defensive back, Lewis? Um, it's I don't know. I, I mean, it's athletically. You, it's it's kind of like one of those things. Certain things you 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 have or or you don't. You can improve your strength and your flexibility and and some things like that to a minimum. But if you're, you know, some guys you've seen them just athletically gifted without doing anything at all. You know, because I was the kind of a guy who was pretty lazy anyway. I didn't want to do anything, especially when it came to running, man. You got tired. And and after practice, man, I, I was, as a bingo, I was more interested in going and finding out where the next beer was coming from as opposed to going home and studying the playbook. So there were a lot of guys who was act like me. So I never saw Anthony Munoz in any of the bars that I went to. <laughs> but he's a Hall of Famer, right? So, but, um, yeah, it, it just gives you, uh, uh, you have the ability to think that you can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't do. And and sometimes you have to realize that, uh, yeah, you're athletic, but you got to learn all the other traits and all the other skill sets that goes along with being athletic because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. To give you a perfect example, myself and Ken, and Ken Riley. Ken Riley was a phenomenal athlete. You know, he played at FAMU. He right. was an All-American quarterback. He did everything at, at FAMU. And without playing the position of defensive back ever in his life, he ended up with 65 interceptions in the National Football League, and he's going to be posthumously, hopefully, induct, uh, inducted into the National Football Hall of Fame. But here, here, and I, we talk so much about did not really learn the position, all the little intricacies, and all the things that you need to do to be a better player until Dick LeBeau came here. We learned a lot. Ken Riley learned a lot, and, and, and I thought he knew everything because I learned it from. Uh, Kenny Riley. So uh, you can have all the athleticism you want. Um, you can't get get away with a lot of things without having uh, the knowledge of, of 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 how to line up, how to cover certain guys, what to do, what not to do. Um, but there are there are always exceptions to the rules. Deion Sanders was great. I would never teach anyone to do the kind of things that he did, especially right. a bump and run, because people don't have that kind of talent to do it. He did some things that were like, man, I would never try that. I mean, he would he would actually, um, in bump and run, would make steps towards the wide receiver. He had, he had it was uncanny, just that kind of cat quickness. And I wouldn't advise anyone to try and play it that way, but that was Dion. But uh, uh, athleticism is great, man, but you have to learn to uh, to use it by uh, 
incorporating all the other stuff that take that, that's going to take you uh, uh, to the next level. And if Ken Riley doesn't get in this year, Lewis, uh, I'll tell you, uh, it's it's crazy that he's not in Canton as we yeah. speak. I mean, yeah, it, it it's a tragedy, really. I mean, it, it's sad. And it just makes me sad to think that he wasn't here to see him get inducted, see himself get inducted into the Hall of Fame because he should have been. Yeah, and, this, uh, this, is a, this is a crazy thing to hold about because if he's in there now, why wasn't he? Um, El, why, why shouldn't he have been in there 20 years ago? Right. I mean, you're a Hall of Famer. You're, you're, you're a doggone Hall of Famer. And right. Uh, right. I've said this before. People ask me, I mean, give me the reasons that Ken Riley should be in the Hall of Fame. I said, that's easy. Uh, 65 interceptions. That's it. That's all you need. I mean, he got those some kind of a way. They didn't come while he was in bed, man. He, uh, <laughs> If you watch him on the football field, he played the ball as well as anyone that I've ever seen before. I mean, yeah. I mean uh, I knocked mine down, unfortunately, but Ken Riley, <laughs> I mean, you watch him play. Like I said before, he wasn't a defensive back in college. He right. wasn't a defensive back. In, he didn't play the position until he came here. He didn't. He wasn't even number 13 in, in college. I mean, they just <laughs> gave him the number. What are you talking about? Your quarterback and they give you number 13. How are you going to make it, man? Huh? But he did. Uh... And he was a all-pro player, never played to play, never made a pro bowl. Un- I don't know why that is either, but um, uh, he should get there posthumously. And unfortunately, he should be here. He should have been here several years ago to enjoy. No doubt. No question about it. All right. So as, as we know, we talked about coaches that might be moving on. And, and, and we know you played in the National Football League for a long time. I played in the National Football League a, a bit as well. And we know that next year's team is going to be different than this year's team. Uh, yeah. This year's team was different than last year's team. It, there, there's not a total carryover of personnel on the back end. Uh, starters that are free agents: Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple, um, other other free agents out, out of the on the back end. Trey Flowers. I mean, a big role. He has a big role in that on that back end. So, I mean, who? What do you think? Uh, it, who? 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 In your mind is the number one priority to return? Golly, man, it's, it's hard to tell. I, I think the good news is that the way Britt played and the way that Hill played, um, uh, it, it's, those guys are going to play, I think. Right. Um, Flowers is an older guy. He he was banged up quite a bit. Uh, Awuzie, hopefully he'll he'll return because he was the best cornerback. Yep. Uh, I know everyone complains about Apple. But Apple, as far as I'm concerned, he's feisty. He had a good season, I think. Uh, you're going to give up some plays and you're going to get beat. But, yeah, they have some decisions to make. Yeah. But uh, a lot of it is going to be alleviated, like I said before. They found out something about Britt. And, and, and now with Dak Hill, I think he's going to come in and make that transition. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And, it, and it's going to be tough. But I, but I think. The, the biggest thing is you, you have to to make sure you have your, your corners intact because I think um, that's going to be the cornerstone of your, of your secondary because you can do a lot of things with those guys, especially uh, you can't always play zone. You're going to have to play some man-to-man. You're going to have to have those guys to uh, to run with some of these tough wide receivers in the National Football League. So, um, and, 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 and Bates, I mean, the Bates has been a good player for him. Um, I know they franchise him, and I know that uh, no one likes to be franchised um more than likely he's not going to be here so uh that's why i say that's a maybe that was what they were thinking when they when they uh 
uh, uh, when they draft the hill. I mean, I, I don't know. You, you just never know. Yeah, I guess I guess the one thing we do know is a guy that they probably will start negotiating with uh, this offseason is number nine. Like you said, the reason, yeah. two words, Joe Burrow. I guess, I mean, it would be prudent to say, let me get him signed, and then I can budget everybody else off of that because the price is just going to go up. Every year that I wait to sign him, the price yeah, is does. going up. You yeah, know, and, and, I'm and, pretty, and I'm pretty sure they've been having talks trying to get uh, some parameters uh, with those numbers. That, hey, those numbers are mind-boggling. Those numbers are, are well beyond our entire payroll, you know, for one guy. Can you believe that? When I've had before, but, but they, they're going to get it signed. Um, and, and, you know, the price for quarterbacks have gone up exponentially over the last few years. And I think some guys have been overpaid, but that's always the case. There's always positioned the next guy up, you know, uh, you, you got to maintain some guys. So next guy comes up, may not be better than the best guy in the league, but uh, contract comes up, he's going to get the most money. So they're going to have to pay him. Um, gosh, he's good. Uh, he's too good to lose, and you're going to have to find ways to uh, to sign some of these other guys too. So, so that, I mean, that that's the beauty of it uh, organizationally. And the Bengals have struggled in terms of drafting and developing. I use development too, offensive linemen, I think, more than anything. I mean, they've had to bring three guys in as starters. They drafted guys that I don't that haven't played very well. So uh even though I was glad to see uh, the last couple of games I did see Carmen, he really played well uh in those ball games at uh at left tackle, which position he plays at play played in at college. So maybe that's just a natural position for him. And and maybe they've found out something that he's gonna be better a better player and, be and better suited at, uh, at left tackle. Um, uh, I, I mean, you never know, but uh, they're going to have to find, I, I think the biggest thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to find a better way to um, evaluate and, and bringing guys in. They miss just completely whipped on too many guys. Uh, and it sets you uh, way back. What was the center name from Ohio State? Uh, Billy Price. Billy Price. Um, I mean, for, for, from day one, you could just, I could just see he wasn't a very good football player. I, I, I don't know whether it was, uh, he wasn't drafted in the right position or whether it was developing. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. But I know he wasn't, what, what was he drafted? 20 something maybe? But yeah, uh, he wasn't that kind of a talent. Neither was, neither was, was John Ross. So when you miss, I remember a few years ago, what was it? Uh, Fisher and Obwehi. Neither one of those guys turned out. You can't keep missing on offensive linemen. It's, it sets you back. And if you have to keep bringing guys in, the problem is you're going to have to pay a lot more money for it. And you don't have those rookie contracts to work on, those young, you know. So you, you, they're going to have to find a way to uh, evaluate and talent, which I think they've been missing on over the last few years. I mean, it was easy for Joe. It was easy when you finish at the bottom and Joe Burrow. As my, my granddaughter, she's two. She could have made that pick, you know. Uh, and Jamar Chase, you know. My granddaughter's only two, but maybe she would have gotten that one right. I don't know, but... I think those are easy, man. It doesn't take a genius to figure those out, do you think? It's it's it's, it's the other ones, you know, and you can't keep missing. Uh, I I always say to people all the time, I say, man, look, um I, I look at these things on on I, I when when some of the guys are supposedly the top guys in the league and I and and I see what the thing was draft and I go by and, and I watch film, I say, I I don't see what they saw. I don't see what everyone else is talking about. 
Uh, I remember Ken Riley and I, we used to do it all, all the time in training camp because when certain guys are drafted and we play against them, I said, if if we know this guy shouldn't have been drafted number one, why is it that they didn't? I don't know what they were looking at. So I I don't know, man. But they're going to have to find a better way to do it because if you keep bringing, have to bring guys in from free agents and you can't develop your own talent, it's going to set them back even further. Let me get you out of here on this and appreciate you giving me all the time that you did, as always. Um, the, the Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they, they, they're, they're this close. They were this close again this year. They lost five football games. Four of those losses were by field goal. You know, I mean, wow. at the gun or close to at the gun. I mean, they were there in, in just about every single football game. And like we talked about, the worst loss of the season was up in Cleveland for whatever reason. But at any rate, your Super Bowl pick. You got the Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. Who does Lewis Breeden think wins the Super Bowl, and why do you think so? Oh, gosh. It's, um, th- this one is, everyone says, it's kind of a 50-50. And I, I just saw today, I think they scored this, the, the same number of points. Yeah. There, same there were some, same yeah, there was the same record. There were some other comparisons, too. And, same um, number of pro bowlers. Same number of pro bowlers. I saw it. You saw yep. that, too. And it's like, yep. um, I, I like both, man. Uh, think about Philadelphia, though, man. Um I was with Mike Quick. Mike Quick is from my hometown. He's a wide receiver. We grew up together. And he does their their radio. And I had a chance to play golf with him. He, myself, he had Archie Griffin and, and uh, uh, Steve Quiet up in Hudson National in New York. And we were talking about Jalen Hurts. And he was saying. Man, that's a course in there now. Whew. Oh, it's an awesome man. course. Thanks for Steve Quieter, man. He, um, Steve Quieter belongs to um, uh, more golf courses than I have golf balls. <laughs> a bunch of them, man. And we were, we were talking, he says, man, Jalen Hurts is a good football player. They just have to let him play and not give up on him. You see what he did? And they were talking about the playoff game that he played last year, which didn't turn out right. But he said, the, the kid is such a talent, man. And he proved it this year. So that's a player that they didn't give up on. Um, I'm concerned about his his health, about um, his arm. Uh, he Because he didn't play like the Jalen Hurts that played all year during the course of the season. So... I think the quarterback is going to be the difference maker, and I just can't see myself betting anything against Patrick Mahomes. And I think, I think it'll be a close ball game, and I think he will be the difference maker with his ability, just with his uncanny ability, same as Joe Burrow has the ability to do, just to make a play, and you'll go away, and you're going to be scratching your head until you bowl trying to figure out how in the hell he did it. Because I think that's the kind of ball game it's going to be, and he's going to do something – uh, spectacular. He may throw it in the section, but it's going to be something spectacular, which he always seems to do. And um, Kansas City, I think Kansas City is going to win. Um, I wouldn't bet money on it, but I think they're going to win the ball game. Yeah, it's. it's I think it's going to be an unbelievable ball game as well. I think you know, two teams that they had the best record. They both had the identical record. They're both looking at sixteen and three right now, which is crazy going into the Super Bowl. But two really good football teams. And, uh, you know, I, I hope this Super Bowl lives up to the hype. So many yeah. times with the Super Bowl, oh, this is going to be a great matchup. And it doesn't turn out that way. I hope this one does uh, for the sake of, of everybody, particularly the networks, because they, they pay a lot of big dollars for it. That's they for sure. A lot of money, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they, sure do. The, the, only, the only people who don't want it to, uh, to be going down to the wire are the players themselves. They want it to be a uh, four-quarter, 20-point lead. So they can sort of relax a little bit and not have to worry about it. But I, I think it should be it's uh 
um, is that there's nothing like uh, uh, Sunday and uh, anticipating early in the morning waiting, and it seems like it can't get here, and and they have all the tell all the analysis and all this, all this. Shut up, just put on the football game. I want to see the guys play. I know that's a long day of pregame. That's the longest pregame show ever in the history of mankind, man. <laughs> and you know it's killing the play. You know, like at Suvo, man. I was I was ready to play, man. Come on, I want to get out of here and play. The longest night, the night before you answer, you can't sleep, and the day comes yeah. to the ball game, and it doesn't get here soon enough. It seems like it's the longest day ever. Yep, I remember getting adrenaline rushes. Like, oh no, it's too soon. Don't be getting these adrenaline rushes now. Calm down, man. Calm down. We got a couple hours left yet. Here we go. Oh, and I remember man. you guys would always get to the stadium early. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah and did correct. you did you on Super Bowl day? Did you get down there an extra hour earlier or what? Yeah, we did. And man, sat there. I remember sitting on that bench in the you know uh, sideline before the game, and and that's where I I got a rush, and I'm like, oh no, this is too early. This <laughs> we got. <laughs> We got too too long before kickoff, man. It was crazy. Lewis, you're the best, absolutely. And uh, as always, appreciate your time, your knowledge, and uh, can't thank you enough, my man. All right, man. As always, put my check in the mail, okay? <laughs> you're the man. <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dave. Good to see you. Same here, Lewis. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football as a player. I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.